This episode of a Top 3 Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at the Rat Hour Podcast. It's your one-stop shop for serial reviews. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ballgame. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. So let's start the show. And uh, this... Uh, this is a top three podcast. Three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Top 3 Podcast, where we honor the time-old tradition of listing our favorite things and arguing about it. I'm Dave. Today, I'm joined by three guests. First, we've got Alan. Hi, guys. Taking Aaron's place today is Craig. Craig's here. What's up? I'll try my best. And uh, fan favorite, Bloodbath McGrath. Ahoy, hoy. Craig, I think it's important that you that you know that none of us are going to be trying our best in this. Well, I'll do my best, Aaron, which is, I think, talking a Excellent. lot. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, you're doing good so far. <laughs> so on this uh, on this game here, we're doing the top three game where we are choosing our top three in today's category. Going around taking turns, everyone says they're number three, then they're number two, then they're number one with room at the end for honorable mentions. Our topic today is the top three albums that got us through high school. Uh, The lyrics that we wrote on our AOL Instant Messenger away messages. Uh, It should be noted for all the listeners that didn't go to high school with us, we all graduated in 2006. So I think that that era might be more heavily represented than others, but... I haven't seen other people's lists yet, so I'm not totally sure. Before we start, I kind of want to talk about what was going on in the music scene at that time, because as I was putting my list together, I was noticing, like, there's a bunch of weird shit that was really popular all at the same time, kind of as it compares to what's popular these days. As far as I can tell, you know, I'm fucking out of touch, so... I think that I just think that this was a super weird time in like music history, kind of like a transition period. Uh, some things on the way out, and then some things like really on the way up. Um, I I'll go first with what I remember. I just remember like the pop punk warped tour type thing was like in full thrust during this time. Um, I remember going to warp tour with. I, th- I with Craig for sure, and yeah. our friend over our friend Rat from the Rat Hour. Um, remember going to Warp Tour? We tried to go to Warp Tour one year with Alan, um, and Alan told us that we could just buy tickets at the gate, and so we drove up to Cleveland with that knowledge in hand, and we could not buy tickets at the gate. So did we? Did we drive up to Cleveland? Yeah, we for sure did. I mean, yeah. how else would we have? I mean, I sure. <laughs> I shouldn't have told you that then. Yeah, I mean that was that was a waste of everybody's time. We still had a good time. Oh, what sure. a dick move! Would you stood outside do the fence and like listen, just like press your face up against the chain link fence? At the yeah, we yeah we I think we did some of that. We walked around downtown and tried to prevent Aaron from like starting fights with homeless people or something like that. 
or not oh, yeah. kicking fight, not starting fights, more like saying things he shouldn't and getting his ass kicked. <laughs> by malnourished homeless people. Yeah he, yeah, he got yelled at by the, um, by but kept trying to give him like a, a $20 bill or something. And there was a, oh, yeah, big yeah, they like the ticket taker. Nothing over a five. Yeah, the ticket taker at the the Cleveland RTA was not having any of Aaron's bullshit. That's what I remember from that. So, I mean, <laughs> did we really have a bad trip? I don't think True. so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I remember most like the pop punk stuff, the warp tour. Um, of course, then like the real popular stuff that was going on, like Eminem was still like at the top of his game, in my opinion, uh, like Lincoln park was still there. Uh, pink 50 cent usher, all of them were topping the charts at the time. But then you had these weird little like blips where like Evanescence had a top 10 album. And then like fallout boy was like really high on the charts and stuff like that. That's what I remember the most. Um, what do you guys remember? Well, to build upon what you're saying, Dave, uh, in our corner of the Midwest, um, everybody got back into like, I mean, at least in our school, do you guys remember everybody being back into like classic rock? Like yeah, that was absolutely. a huge thing for, for sure, like, yeah. a year. Like kids, kids at the cafeteria were like openly discussing like the first three Led Zeppelin albums and like the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and the Doors. Um, like it was not unusual to see a girl walking down the hallway in like lower eyes jeans and a Rolling Stones t-shirt. Um, so, I mean, that was the thing. And then like, obviously like indie rock was huge. See my dad about like, I was like, all these people are into Led Zeppelin all of a sudden. And he was like, yeah, thinking that we were very unique in terms of the timing of it. He's like, I think everyone in high school does that at some point. Like it's unavoidable. So I always wondered if it was, if it was, a weird recurrence for like our age group or if it was just like this is a a part of growing up is like you have to like led zeppelin for two months of your life at a minimum <laughs> yeah i definitely yeah. Think, i think that's definitely a phase because like if people start growing up and they're like oh shit i like rock i like the way it sounds and they go and like do the barest minimum of research into like oh rock they'll find Led Zeppelin and ACDC and the Beatles and stuff like that. Um, so just for anyone who's like 1% interested in rock music, I think that is a natural like uh, flow for them to go through. So actually, as, as far as the, um, the classic rock thing goes, um, when I was putting together my list, I noticed that a, a couple of those classic rock bands that you had just mentioned put out new albums while we were in high school. And when I say new, I mean uh, different, I guess. You know, you had How the West Was One come out with Led Zeppelin, and that came out in 03. And then you had uh, uh, you had Let It Be Naked come out with the Beatles. Uh, and given those were both, you know, just a live or uh, um, unproduced track, uh, I think that, you know, maybe that was because of the way that there was a national shift towards that kind of music. Maybe it was just because someone's contract rights were up. I, I don't know what it was, but there, there was newer music that was coming out for us uh, from old bands. 
Yeah, that's true. I personally, I don't think I knew about that. And I definitely didn't listen to any of those new things. Um, I mean, Oh, How the it's, West oh. was one. I almost very came very close to making my list because of Oh, how okay. much I listened to it. Yeah. All right. It That was I'll on, try, it was I'll on try my not honorable to... mention list. It was good. Yeah. I'll try not to project mine onto everybody else then. <laughs> <laughs> well, my um, my theory right. is that, um, you know, our age group was the first generation to have um, real access to the internet. So it was easy to start uh, discovering music on your own, like away from like corporate radio. Um, and then you, you add in um, like the beginning of all the file sharing programs, um, you know. Sure. Kazaa, LimeWire, Ares, Morpheus. Um, so everybody just, you know, from what I remember, man, everybody was just downloading music all the time and destroying the family computer in the process. <laughs> um, which I was going to ask before we got started. Did, did anybody, A, did anybody use any of those uh, programs? And B, uh, what was everybody's first uh, MP3 player? Yeah, so I, I remember I used LimeWire for sure. Um And I remember downloading, I mostly, I downloaded a bunch of stuff over at Aaron's house. We fucked his computer up, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember That's using like LimeWire and Kazaa. Yeah. Um, well-deserved. Well-deserved. Um, and yeah, this is another thing I thought about. Because like, my list was a lot of stuff that I listened to in the car. Like CDs that I played a thousand times in my car. Um, but... like halfway through high school, I remember getting an MP3 player. And so like the shuffle became a big part of my life instead of just like listening to an album front to back on repeat. I think I love that. Uh, I feel like B-Man's trying to entrap us into admitting that we stole all this music because he's now working for the FBI, I guess. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> when I say I use LimeWire, I mean, I use LimeWire to file share, uh, homework with my high school peers. <laughs> shared, shared right, like right, documents right. for group projects, of course, though, not cheating. Yeah. Yeah. It's much easier than, uh, putting something on a flash drive. Um, I, when you said what our first MP3 player was, I was like, oh my God, I need to look it up. I, I can't remember what it was. It was, it definitely wasn't an iPod, um, And I'm trying to remember, I probably had like 100 songs, 250 songs, maybe. But I've, I cannot remember what it was, like what brand it even was. But I love that thing. Yeah, same with uh, mine. I mean, mine I got was an iPod. some brand I can't remember. I think I got my first iPod. It was an iPod mini uh, in maybe my junior year. It might have been my senior year of high school, though. It took me a while to, to get on that bandwagon. Prior to that, I was just, I mean, honestly, and I feel like everybody's honorable mention should be burn CDs. Um, yeah. Mixed. As you guys have been saying, we had, yeah, mixed mixed albums. Um, you know, everybody had access to these file sharing services. And it was, honestly, it was really before people learned how to ruin your life on the internet. Um, and you could find whatever you want. You could find, like, unreleased Bob Dylan songs, or you could find, yeah. Sugar Ray covering Engelbert Humperdinck live. I mean, you could do whatever it was that you wanted to do on LimeWire or Kazaa or or whatever it was. Um, it was a great time in life for music. Shitty for most other things, yeah. but you know. 
like when I first started listening to music, there was a very brief period of time when the things I listened to was limited to what CDs my parents would let me buy or what CDs my friends had. And it was just like a magic moment when I found my first website where I could download whatever song I wanted. I was like, oh shit, this is incredible. And I think it like, plays a part in what you were saying originally, Dave, where you like it seemed like there was all sorts of different things that were somewhat equally popular, like Evanescence and all these other things. And I wonder how much that is that like access to music changed. So it became so easy to access whatever you want, like right, right around the time we were like late high school. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It definitely gave you a chance to experience more. And then like, I mean, the, this I like a lot of the stuff that I downloaded. If I listened to it a ton, I w- I probably went and bought the CD anyway. So changed like the the reward of discovering someone new. Like it it's now you know to find a new band, you just like click on Spotify or Apple Music, and it's like okay, there it is. That was yeah, that was fun. Before it was like you'd read something and then you'd do something and then you try and like it was there was a more of a reward in like my brain when I actually found it. Yeah. Spotify gives me an overwhelming amount of music all the time. Now. I would go to the radio station all the time at Wright state. And I'd usually even like skip class to go. And I discovered so much, so much music there. Like they had the, this closet and they had these shelves that you would pull out of the wall and had just, I mean, easily like 10,000 CDs. And like, I discovered so much music there. Like Dave came down a couple of times and like, we would just sit and like rip music onto our laptops. Um, oh yeah. But that was like the coolest thing. Just discovering all the music they had. Yeah. Oh man. I went through such a long period of just ripping every CD I could get my hands onto, onto my laptop. I used to go to the library and borrow like 25 CDs at a time and just burn them all on my laptop and take them back the next day. Yeah, good times. Does the library all go on know where we're doing too. that? <laughs> uh, yeah, so why don't we get started with our top threes then, uh, unless anyone else has anything they remember from like the music scene at the time. Yeah, let's Not, get started. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Not anything I won't bring up while we talk. Yeah. I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll have more to bring up. So um I'll get started with my number three album, which all of these albums, I said this before, but all of these albums are things that if you rode in the car with me like more than one time in high school, you heard one of these albums going on. So my number three is Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. This one, like, I listened to before high school because I remember seeing the music video on TRL where it's like a video game. And it was like, at the time, it was like the single coolest thing I'd ever seen before. For sure. Um, I, if you go back and look at it now, it looks like an N64 game. But like, <laughs> it's 
uh it's still pretty cool and yeah i love that album um it's like it's weird that album has a few songs that are like some of the worst songs i've ever heard uh which is like the red hot chili peppers experience i guess but like the the top songs on that album really make up for it um I played bass in high school and college and I, so I started playing bass in high school. And so finding the red hot chili peppers and hearing flea play bass was just like, okay, this is my favorite band now. Um, and I remember I spent hours trying to learn the bass line to Californication, the title song. And my mom used to like make fun of me every time she heard me say it. <laughs> she like tease me in a nice way for it. Um, yeah. So like yeah, this album's great. Um, we saw them live, I think in maybe two thousand six. Uh, me and Aaron went and saw them live. That's right. I picked Aaron over you guys. How's that make you feel? Well, he's such a music fan. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, he's such a music fan. He had to like quarantine himself away from this podcast. <laughs> we'll give Aaron's picks at the end because I think we all know what they are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, number three, Californication, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, really, really great, really great album. So I still like it a lot. I considered a few Chili Peppers albums for my list. Um, but my issue was, just like you just said, there every single Chili Peppers album, there are songs on there that you just don't ever want to hear again. Absolutely. Um, I can't argue. <laughs> I, you know, but then they're, they're like... I, I just brought up the track list for Californication and um, I mean, there are easily seven or eight songs on there that, you know, I still, I still listen to regularly. I put them on my playlists all the time at this point, um, particularly road trip. And I feel like doesn't get enough. Uh, yeah. Doesn't get enough I love credit. that song. Um, love it. Yeah. That's a, that's no, one of the things I liked about that album and the Chili Peppers in general is just how they can have it, their album has 14 songs on it. All 14 songs sound different. They got a lot of stuff going on. I just looked up the track list. I I if you had to, if I had to like place in time these songs, I would not have said Scar Tissue and Other Side were on that album. I would have thought they were like early, much earlier than that. That's no. wild because they are so good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love the Chili Peppers even to this day. Um, that being said, like I, I feel like I can a whole lot these days. With, you know, beyond like, kind of like greatest hits level stuff. Um, I don't know, dude. That album is great though. Like it's probably like their last really really good album. Um, Stadium Arcadium came out when we were in high, school, and I thought that album would still do. But like, dude, Californication like nothing tops the level of just the songwriting like everything that came after that because I, I remember like at the time uh the one that came out after that by the way um i remember you dave telling me how you didn't quite understand like what they were going for at that point on which like you're totally right that sort of um popular alternatives for you know back in the 90s you know it was way more uh unique and kind of uh i mean they just sort of did their own thing and i feel like everything they did afterwards was a real like shift towards just mainstream a uh, mainstream 
But so, they were already uh, super mainstream after like Blood Sugar Sex Magic was like the biggest album ever, I think. But right, like I, they kept they turned but, like but, they weren't like a funk band anymore. It, but what I what I like about it is like maybe their singles weren't like that anymore, but there was still some funky shit on every single album after that. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's I think that was three. like the trend too. That was like the trend too, where they like everything they wrote about was about California. Like obviously that album is like heavily like every album they've ever done. Yeah, and they've like the continued that ever. to this day. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. One one more thing about the Chili Peppers. Um. I'm happy to hear that. Um. John Frusciante is back in the band. Um. And I'm excited to hear what they have coming out. Like I still I still like their new music. Uh. Listen to everything that comes out. So. I'm excited to hear what comes out album? next. Yeah, I did. Uh, what's it called? It's like a... That I don't weird. remember. Yeah, dude, I remember listening to... I remember checking it out when it came out. Dude, this is bizarre. Shout out to Rick Rubin. Um, yeah. <laughs> producer for Red Hot Chili Peppers and also like uh, pretty much everybody else that that we've all loved for the last 20 years or so. Yeah, I think we're going to hear more than one yeah. album that was Rick Rubin <laughs> produced on this podcast. So uh, let's Likely. move on to Alan and your number three. Uh, my number three is Weezer's Blue Album. So when I was when I was running through these through this list, I, uh, I I couldn't really figure out how I wanted to do it because, like we had said earlier, uh, mixed albums was was really what I went for. So I, I looked for albums that I listened to straight through regularly, and uh, the Blue Album was one of those albums. It's um, one of Weezer's, I think it's one of their earlier albums, but I don't have their track list pulled up. I guess now that you consider that it's been 20 something years since then, um, it's certainly one of their, their older albums. That's not their first album. I don't know. I mean, it was pre green out. It's definitely 94, 1994. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Um, but anyway, the blue album, the track list from beginning to end is spectacular. Um, but I'm trying to bring it up right now. Let me I can bring it up here. I just fell in love with the blue album and the green album, but the blue album was, uh, was always my favorite. Yeah. Beginning to end blue album spectacular. What I will say though, is a lot of people, these like in the last couple of years, hipster type, <laughs> honestly, um, have really tried to push that Pinkerton is a better album. Uh, and I have like a, the deluxe like reissue of Pinkerton on vinyl. And like Pinkerton's great, the Green Album's great, but like 
do nothing touches the Wu album in terms of like just the singles, the songwriting, the like that pop punk meets like pseudo metal aesthetic that they came up with. Like they've every album Weezer's done since the Blue album is a gradual step down. I was gonna say, like, this isn't why we're here, but what is the what is the opinion of like the new Weezer like to, like re remaking Toto's? Africa, I kind of like the cover album. I, I didn't hate have it, too to much of an issue with it. Um, yeah, everybody can have some fun, Craig. Come on, you know, fine. And I'm not gonna like if you like it, I won't judge. But <laughs> I'm just like, did well, it fine. We don't need this. I'm okay. This is fine. <laughs> like I'll I'll do my thing over here. Yeah. Guys, didn't didn't Weezer do the theme for that one World Cup for like the American team? There's like a like a fight song for the yeah. American soccer team for the World Cup, and I think Weezer did it. And it was the worst song I've ever heard. It made me want to root against the United States in the World Cup. When was this? Which World Cup? I don't like remember. Twenty sixteen, maybe. Twenty ten. It's called Represent. 2010, okay. 2010. Yeah. That was when like, we lost to Ghana. <sighs> if, we do, if we do a top three worst songs you've ever heard, you already know my number one. <laughs> I was rooting for Ghana during that well, game. The answer, <laughs> to answer Craig's question, like, I, I, I have not enjoyed anything Weezer's put out since, um, like, uh, the red album um i just like everything just seems to get easier and easier and less serious like to me like they don't take anything serious like to me like they're a total like corporate band at this point like they're just make trying to make money you like the red album um, or you're saying you didn't said, like the red album i was mixed on that one and then everything after that i really disliked yeah um there's a lot of kids i work with a lot of younger guys and a lot of kids in the kitchen like just blast the shit out of the last like, it's all they want to listen to. Um, so, I mean, I've heard a lot of it. Like, I wouldn't say it's, like, the worst music I've heard in my life, but it's just, it's such a step down, dude. Like, that first, dude, I'm just telling, like, that Blue album, it's, it's like, so unique and, like, so much. It's not even, like, nostalgia at this point. Like, it's just so well-crafted and, like, perfectly produced. Um, Rick uh, Casio, or, or however you say his name, from the Cars, like, produced that album. Like, it's completely flawless like beginning to end like i mean they just anything and like the entire like rivers cuomo like character too i think works better like he's only gotten more grading as time has gone on i kind of agree that rivers cuomo is the kind of guy that like he could hang out with for a little while but after a bit of time he's gonna wear on you i mean like aaron right yeah if you guys think so he lives in time to get out dave Dave. <laughs> yeah. You guys hang out though, right, Dave? Well, little do you guys know he's actually sitting just out of camera view right now. <laughs> oh no. Ready to hop, ready to hop on. <laughs> we were right, just kidding. Uh, we were just kidding. All right, Craig, let's get your number three. So my this this one like definitely popped on the list last, but not by any any sort of like any reason it shouldn't have been, which is uh, Late Registration by Kanye West. I gotta testify, come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'm a tough sky. 
gotta testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'ma touch the sky. Back when they thought pink polos are hurt the rock. Before Cam got the shit to pop, the doors is closed. I felt like bad boy street team. I couldn't work the locks. Now let's go. Take them back to the plan. Me and my mama hopped in that U-Haul van. Any pessimists I ain't talked to It's not even my favorite Kanye album, but I played that album in my car like probably the whole year it came out. And I just, I thought I was awesome for doing it, which is going to be a recurring theme, I think, for me in high school in general. But it has so many songs that just, like, bump, that just, like, slap. And you can listen to them and get pumped. Like, Touch the Sky, to this day, if that came on, I will jump up and down (laughs) in probably 90% of the locations I'm at. Like, it's just, it was... It was like an introduction to like, oh, yeah, I can listen to this kind of music for me. Um, and and I, I think I probably had li- I mean, I know I'd listened to College Dropout before that. And College Dropout, I think, is a better album without a doubt. But it 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 can I connected with this album more so than than any other like rap hip hop album of the time. Yeah, I got super into late registration in college uh, when I first like really got into Kanye. Um, and I prefer late registration to a college dropout. Um, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is the best, but yeah, like this one is this one's really really good, and this one has more songs on it that I will not skip when they come up on the shuffle, like. I won't skip uh I won't skip Touch the Sky. I won't skip Gold Digger. I will not skip Diamonds from Sierra Leone. Like it's got so many good songs. And like heard him say, just kind of like thrown in there, changes yep. the tone. It's, it's just such a good mm-hmm. album. Little Adam Levine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, you made Aaron proud by throwing a Kanye album. That was the goal. You know. No, nah, man. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I mean, kudos. Like, I, I, I like college dropout and late registration. So, like, more power to you. And I definitely feel like at that time, too, that was a little bit more, uh, un- not underground, but, like, I think that was, like, more cutting edge at, at that time than it would be today. So. It's definitely in, like, the, just, like, the gold period for Kanye. Oh, yeah. Listening to just like, and I also remember playing soccer at the time, like this was around when you could more easily get a portable like speaker and just pop it out and play music wherever you were at. And we, I think before every game, we like bumped this album and everyone, bunch of like lame dudes all thought they were just like, oh yeah, we're coming. We're coming. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Bloodbath. Ready to give us your number three? Okay. My number three is Nirvana. Nirvana.
This is the 2002 Greatest Hits compilation featuring one previously unreleased track, uh, You Know You're Right. Uh, it's got tracks from Bleach, Nevermind, and their MTV Unplugged session. So, like, I just want to say, like, right up front, this is a little bit of a rant. Um, I hate that I had to put this on my list. Uh, it's number three because I'm trying to be honest and just, like, you know, it's something that was listened to constantly at my house and in my car. Um, I really, like, 2016 me sort of hates Nirvana. Um, I don't hardly ever listen to Nirvana anymore. I don't think that, like, the band itself is, like, terrible. But, like, I just have some, like, gripes about it. Um, <clears throat> I just hate how much, like, like, in the last, like, 20 years, like, people have just, like, become these, like, you know, they've, like, they worked at Nirvana and they worked with, like, Kurt Cobain. First of all, like, most of Nirvana songs are covers. Like, most every song of theirs is a cover. Uh, Bleach has a couple covers by, uh, like, the band The Stocking Blue. Uh, there's a Melvin's cover on there. Uh, Nevermind's the only album that doesn't have any covers on it. Like, their MTV Unplugged album is, like, 90% covers. Um, like, Nevermind as an album is basically a rip on, like, all, a whole bunch of underground uh, hardcore bands. Um, I challenge anybody listening to this right now, go and check out um, Living in the 80s by Killing Joke, and then listen to the song Come As You Are off Nevermind, and explain to me how Nirvana did for that um beyond that man i just like i hate the mythologizing that we have with uh cobain um i don't understand the obsession people have with him i honestly don't find him interesting um the fact that like we published like his gribbly like bullshit journal is like <laughs> really, really i read weird. that shit in high school um, too yeah i mean like he he's a good like don't get me wrong like i definitely i mean like this album is on there for a reason but like you know, for example, I've watched five different documentaries about uh, female musicians from the Seattle grunge era, and all five of them claim to be the person that came up with the title Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, Catherine Hanna from Bikini Kill says she did it. The bass player from Throwing Muses says it was her. The drummer from L7 says that she was the one. And then obviously, like, Courtney Love says that she came up with it. So, I, and it's my whole point is always like, who cares? Like, I don't understand why we obsess over this person and this band the way that we do. Like, you know, we don't talk about the doors like this anymore. We don't talk about, we kind of don't really even talk it. We don't even like scrutinize the, the way they do, uh, Cobain and Nirvana anymore. So that's just my little rant. Aside from all that, like I listened to this album so many times that I'm pretty sure I actually broke the <laughs> CD. Like, I think I put it in my Walkman at one point and it just like shattered a million pieces. <clears throat> This is the first time I realized that essentially like a pop punk record could be uh, emotional. It could be heavy. It could have dark lyrics. Um, in junior high, it was a lot of Blink and a lot of Sum 41. And the fact that I basically got that melodic punk sound with lyrics that I thought were important and meant something that they weren't just four guys, having, three or four guys having fun in a room. Um, that really like changed my whole perspective. Like, Eighth grade me was really into like uh, Metallica and Korn, and I thought that those were really heavy things. And then I listened to this album and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, those guys are just like, you know, goofing around. Like, they're like, you know, being theatrical. Like, this is like really 
intense, emotional, heavy stuff. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of times listening to this in my room where like I was crying uh, just because it like touched me so much. So um, it's a great album. Like I said, I just, you know, it was that introduction to like, you know, real uh, lyrical content. Yeah, um, I I think like the reason they're mythologized so much is because we didn't get to see them like grow old as a band or like break up a few years later, which they probably would have or, you know, end up like best case scenario. They end up like the Foo Fighters where they're still going, they're still touring, but they, they just play their old songs on their tours and uh, they make a new record every now and then. And like, they, you know, they play those songs for a little while and then they'll go back to playing the old ones. Cause that's all anyone wants to hear anybody anyway. So like, I don't know, we didn't get that like desperate cling to like stay relevant and stay at the top with them. They just like, they were just done. Which is, that's why I think that they're still, oh, yeah. they're held up like that. I mean, I get it from that perspective. I mean, I know why it is. I just, I think that it's in this time, at this point, you know, 2021. You have to have a certain amount of angst in your life. Time to let it go. Uh, to bit. really be into Nirvana, I think. And, and what Kurt Cobain was peddling. Um, which is why, which is why teenagers are all about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. Right. You know, I mean, and at this point in life, um, I think that a, a little bit of perspective kind of makes Nirvana seem a little bit more like the whiny bitches that they were. Um, no. <laughs> That's just my two cents, man. <laughs> but I, w I will say, greatest hits albums, though, nothing to be ashamed of about naming a greatest hit album. I mean, those are those were top-notch. I, I honestly, I didn't even think about adding them on here, and if I had, I my list probably would be much different. Yeah, same. I didn't think about it that either. And had I thought of that, the Creed greatest hits would probably be way up there on my list. The the pre altar bridge days. That's not a joke, by the way. <laughs> that I don't understand that, Dave. I just don't. No, I unironically, I unironically like Creed, and I always have. Scott Stat poster in the bedroom and everything. I did have a Creed poster. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Ripped open button up shirt standing on the ledge orange. of a yeah. cliff. The wind, it's like hurricane force winds, all of it. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I loved Nirvana in high school too. And I, there's still a few songs from Nevermind that I really like because they rock really hard. I really like the song Breed, and I listen to that a lot because it rocks. But I don't listen to the angsty Nirvana songs anymore because I just can't give a shit anymore. I mean, I'm I'm a well-adjusted adult, as you guys can hear on these podcasts. I don't really need Nirvana in my life anymore. I mean, I'm the same. But I, I will say, I think Cobain's like greatest contribution is being a music nerd. Um, he really understood a lot of like indie rock and underground music and he really propelled a lot of other people into stardom. Like there's a whole trend um, of, I call them like Cobain wore these guys on a t-shirt. So they've got a record deal bands. 
um, like most famously like Daniel Johnson and like half Japanese, like nobody heard of these guys. And then he like wore their shirt on stage. Not saying they became like huge stars, but like they got some notoriety for that. So, I mean, I, that's, you know, at least a cool thing. Yeah. And anytime I'm sure any band that Nirvana covered one of their songs just immediately got a little bump from that. Yeah, the Meat Puppets had like a pretty decent album uh, in the '90s, purely because the uh, TV set was like ten uh, Meat nice. Puppets songs. So, yeah. All right, so Nirvana. Let's move on to number twos, and I will give my number two, which is Dookie by Green Day. This is this is uh this is one of the albums for me where when I hear one song finish, I hear the beginning of the next song in my head and I'm like 100% ready for the next song to come on. Um we my family was on a vacation, we were on like a, a road trip and we stopped at some like mall or something. We went to a record store cuz we must have been complaining about how we wanted a new CD or something like that. So I went to a record store and my brother, who must, was less than 10 years old at the time, uh, asked the guy at the counter, oh. just like, hey, what's popular or something like that? And he gave him Dookie. And so my parents bought it and I took it from him immediately and listened to it the entire car ride home and like just fell in love with it and fell in love with Green Day. Um, people shit on Green Day all the time now. It's like the cool thing to do but i still love green day and it's because of dookie was that your introduction to green day like this this guy at the store just kind of like like selling it out to yeah you? that's awesome i'd never that's heard really a, awesome never heard a single thing from green day that's before really cool uh this was i don't know if this was in high school or if it was in middle school or something like that but um yeah another reason i really love this album is because it's super fun to play on the bass um, it's real. It's really like it's not beginner beginner, but Green Day songs are have easy structures. Uh, at least they used to. And uh, then like the bass player for Green Day just had all these fun little fills to do. And yeah, it was super fun to play along with. Um, and yeah, super fun album. I didn't have the only reason it's not my number one is because I didn't smoke weed at the time. Right. And so I didn't like 100% get into what they're singing about. Uh, that's like the only reason you'll, you'll see when you hear my number one, why that one beat Dookie. So yeah, Dookie. Nice. No, I don't. I, that's just, that's a good choice. Good choice. I think um, I, I agree with you. I'm probably someone who would shit on Green Day now. And it's more just because I would like this album more so than anything they've like put out in the recent past um when september ends is like just that song turns me off so much that it makes me it makes it hard for me to listen to anything else i love that song 
I think I cried during the American Idiot like musical that I saw during that song. Probably fits into the musical well, I would, I would guess, but I've I've not seen it. Oh man, I I love Green Day. Uh, my Dookie wasn't my first introduction. My first is was International Super Hits. I don't know if you guys ever listened to it. It's a compilation album. It that would have absolutely been on my list. Um, oh yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I got it for Christmas, I think, in eighth grade from one of my aunts, and uh, it was the best best Christmas present I've ever gotten. It's still something that I listen to. Um, you know, twenty one songs. You get you get something from all of their albums, and uh, it's only the highlights. So, international super hits. Check it out. Yeah, that it's a fantastic greatest hits international right. super hits plus it's got a few songs that weren't on any of the albums and those are good too so i agree with craig like i i think i'm somebody that would probably sit on green day uh ahead of 2021 uh i'm not going to and you might see why later but um yeah <laughs> dude I, I think that they get more hate than than what's fair um you know like, obviously, like, that was part of my intro notes was, you know, we grew up in the era where Green Day became the hugest band on the planet for, like, a good five years um, with American Idiot. Um, and I think that there was a huge backlash from that. And, like, what's weird, too, is, like, that first, like, six months or a year when that album was out, like, everybody was on board. That was just, like, the greatest thing ever. Um so, I mean, you know, and it, it sold really well. So, I mean, to say that, like, the band sucks, I think is kind of, like, unfair. Um, that being said, man, I mean, like, they've definitely, like, the last couple of years haven't been, like, super great for them. But, you know, dude, Dookie, like, Dookie was going to be on my list. Um, it got nudged out by somebody else. But, I mean, that's the first album I heard from Green Day. That's the first punk album I think I've ever heard. Um, my dad gave it to me uh, in seventh or eighth grade. And, like, I wore it the fuck out. Like, that is, again, I think there's one track toward the end that I usually skip. But, like, that's that's it. Like, it's nearly flawless. Um, you better not be skipping all by myself at the very end. <laughs> uh, dude, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I don't even really say, like, I'd skip it. But, like, I just, like, it's it might be the point in the album where I, like, kind of, like, uh, lose interest a little bit. Uh, just, dude, like... There's like their sound has evolved in a way that I think is really interesting, and I think like that album is like ideal for a state. It's that album, and then like American Idiot, and I feel like there's steps in between there, but like those two are like the best representations of like that era of the band, um, in a way that like I don't like I know we were talking about Weezer earlier and like a blue album versus like the stuff they're doing now, and like I know there's like a real like change in like tone and everything like that. But like for Green Day, like that's like the two best examples of what they have to offer, and like everything is just step to the next album. Yeah, I really liked American Idiot too. Um, it just didn't make my list because I think I was too young to like fully understand what American Idiot was actually about. Um, whereas with Dookie, there's nothing really to understand. It's just a fun like pop punk album. I was just going to say, in response to what you were saying about um, American Idiot, I think it was it was a really neat 
kind of change that Green Day made in their sound. Um, and it was like a throwback to that that kind of like rock opera that had been missing from the popular music scene for decades at that point, I feel like. Um, and I don't I don't know if it had the impact of of leading other bands to uh, to put together that sort of album again, where where it's one can like you were saying, kind of like you were saying with um with Green Day and like I feel about Weezer's Blue album, um, the congruity between one song and another, not necessarily telling a uh, but in those albums, not necessarily telling uh, a linear story, whereas in American Idiot. It's somewhat of a linear story. Each song folds into the next song and it, it leads towards a leads to a really interesting yeah, listening and experience. That's why I think like the American Idiot musical sounds I mean, sounds pretty bad, I think, if you try to pitch that to somebody, but it works pretty damn well because of how it is a, a connected story, in my opinion. Um all right, let's move on to Alan, your number two. My number two is Ben Folds. Rock in the suburbs. I don't know if uh, I don't know who's a fan, who's not a fan, um, but this is also one of those albums that you can that I could put in my CD player. I could listen to from from front to back, um, and I I don't think there is a bad song on it. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Ben Folds does uh, sort of a piano rock thing. Um, uh, he's probably big enough. I I don't know. I don't talk to people, so I don't know who anybody listens to, but uh, he's probably big enough that. Uh, people have heard of him before. Um, yeah, I think so. But yeah, I mean, you know, beginning to end, this song is this this album's fantastic. You know, you don't have any any minute and a half long songs. You don't have any eight minute long songs. It's just a, a pretty simple, easy listening, quick paced. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I really liked it. Dude, if we were doing a if we were doing a list of like albums I heard as a young child that I now listen to and think, wow, like just think of like really great albums you heard as a child. They're like self-titled um, album from 1995. The Ben Folds Five album is right. so good. It's like it's another it one that it's just like front to back, like great songs the whole time. Just rocking the cassette in my dad's. I don't even remember terrible car. <laughs> See, my parents, my parents didn't listen to music. And so it was a weird <laughs> thing for me to pick up music. I, I lived in between Ohio and Mississippi and then back in Ohio. And so there was this whole weird cultural shift. And because my parents didn't listen to music outside of my mom listening to the Beatles, almost everything I listened to until I, I came into this, uh, into like high school in Troy, essentially, junior high and high school in Troy, I, was just the Beatles. Um, and so then, you know, once I, once I think I started listening to Ben Folds, I 
think I got Rock in the Suburbs in maybe 10th grade or something like that. And I still have it. I still have it in my CD case. It's got its own its own sleeve. <laughs> ben Folds is a, a blind spot for me. I mean, I've listened to him a little bit, not super heavy. Um, I like him. They're they're on the list. You know, I don't know if you guys are like me. There's always like a rotating list of like, oh, I gotta check this out, or oh, I gotta listen to this more. Um, they're always on there. I just haven't made haven't made around yet. Same. Yeah, I have absolutely nothing to contribute to this, all, except <laughs> I think I've heard Ben Ben Folds do some fun covers of songs before. And, Bitches uh, ain't shit. Yeah, I think so. Bloodbath, didn't Ben Folds produce that William Shatner album? You're dead. The one that we always play? <laughs> yeah, the, the one that has the common people cover on it. It's fucking great. Anyway, uh... That's Ben Folds' greatest contribution to music is that William Shatner cover of Common People. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. He probably I, he would agree with you. Yeah, I think he would I agree. Would. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get Craig, your number two. So my number two is definitely another album that just like stayed in my car CD player for another six months when it came out. And it's also um, like... Well, so it's Taking Back Sunday, Where You Want to Be, which was like summer of 2004. And that, it also is like a good summary of just the the pop punk victory record scene of Dayton, Ohio, which was awesome to be around. Um, Like we all know our Hawthorne Heights, cutting our wrists, blacking our eyes, you know, we were all doing it in 04, of course. But just being like, it kind of felt like we were connected to that scene and like the various shows we would go to would have probably like some victory records bands. And so like that plus just the the energy of this album like i have very vivid memories of like driving my grandpa's buick park avenue like probably too fast on like the country roads of miami county like going to jump off bridges into the rivers like bridge jumping (laughs) when it was very big um and just like blasting this album it was it was great what did you say like over at sugar grove Sugar Grove was definitely one, I think. There was something like Penny something. Just like, you know, dangerous, life-threatening activities you do when you're 16 (laughs) and don't think about. I love Taking Back Sunday. Still, I mean, I would... I I think that instead of um, Where You Want to Be, I'd pick... Well, Tell All Your Friends, I think, was the album before that. uh, Just because I think that it had a, a... it was kind of a little bit, a little bit more them, um, but no, it was great. Uh, the exact same thing. You'd you'd put an album like that in, and you'd just drive. Because for anyone that hasn't been to Troy, it's it's a, a small small city um, that is just surrounded on any end uh, with miles and miles and miles of cornfields. <laughs> um, 
Don't forget the yeah, soybean. There were, there were There's soybean too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I guess there were soybeans. Those were the shorter ones, I guess. So you could at least see car. You could see the crossing roads when you were going through the soybeans, but uh, yeah, like the cornfields. You could. There's see not a anything. whole lot. There's not a whole lot to do. But one thing there is uh, is there is plenty of open road to go driving and listen to music. Very true. And I will also say, taking back Sunday is. They, they are still putting out music and it is still good. Like they, they, it's, it's this very similar sound. So it's not like they're changing a bunch, but it's all still good. Like if they came to town, I would go see them again. Like I, I think I saw them in probably like 16. I don't remember, but huh. it, I saw them live and it was just as good as if you would have seen them. I mean, I didn't see them at Warp Tour cause we saw them. We were at the, the Warp Tour the year after, but if I'm sure it was like just as energetic, just as good. Like it's they're still making good stuff. Craig, I like you, so I'm not going to say out loud that I think Taking Back Sunday is the worst of all the pop punk bands. <laughs> oh shit, I said it. Sorry, dude. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love I, I love pop punk, but I Taking Back Sunday's vocals were so grating to me I could never never do it. Well, so the thing about Taking Back Sunday is they kind of crossed that line between pop punk and emo a little bit. You know, they weren't they weren't your pop punk band. You know, I mean, when you talk pop punk, to me, you're talking about some 41, Blink 182, things like that. And okay. Taking Back Sunday, they started they started making that shift from from pop punk to emo that I think kind of opened the door for a lot of these these other bands that that um that took advantage of that uh and used it to become huge like the one that pops into my head right now is fallout boy that kind of bridged that sort of like emotional music but really pushed it more into mainstream pop um i agree so. i i honestly like I wouldn't even necessarily they're in the pop punk category but I wouldn't that that's not where I would place them like they're closer right. to like alternative indie like they're closer to like post hardcore than they are to to a lot of pop punk stuff sometimes not with the vocals but like with the the sound otherwise I feel right maybe that explains it I was listening for one thing and getting another thing <laughs> Yeah I agree with Craig they're they're a little bit more in that spectrum of uh, the post hardcore band they really are like pop punk. Um, I'm really late to the game on taking back Sunday. I uh, we went to a music festival in Chicago a few years ago, and they were on the bill, so I checked them out just to kind of get acclimated a little bit. Um, in fact, I think the it was Riot Fest, and I think they actually had a playlist on Spotify, so I listened to that before going. Yeah, dude, uh, I love them. Like, I, I wouldn't say like I'm at the point where like I recognize all the songs and stuff like that, but um, they're definitely a band. I think I made fun of people for listening to in high school that now I'm kind of like, okay, I get it. Like a hundred percent, like pain, you know, egg on my face for sure. Um, them and, and like, I hear what you're saying, Dave, because I feel like Coe's kind of the same way. Like I, for a long time because of the vocal. And then once I kind of just got over it and let it happen, like I was like, Oh geez. I feel like I've just missed out so much. All right. Well, why don't we get Bloodbath, your number two, and here's something you didn't miss out on. Segway, baby. Let's do it. All right. Uh, <clears throat> my number two is 
The Violent Femmes, self-titled. Uh, their driving home in my 95 Ford Aerostar van and probably giving everybody under the sun a ride home because I think it would take me two hours to finally get home after giving, you know, 50 kids a ride. Absolutely. Uh, that's how I got people to like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was one of 390X played it um, and I heard it and I was like, dude, this is so cool. Uh, Blister in the Sun. They they were playing Blister in the Sun, but like at that time, I had no idea what it was called. So like I just remember hearing it, trying to find it. It was like two or three times, uh, you know, throughout the next month of hearing it come on the radio before I finally caught the title. Um, and I think it was like the first album I downloaded on iTunes. So I mean, yeah, that's kind of like my history. But um, I it's one of my all time favorite albums. Um, I've got it on vinyl right now. I was listening to it to get ready for this list. It was like, oh my god, I cannot believe how amazing this album still stands up. Um, the whimsical, kind of quirky, offbeat uh, musical stylings, the sort of manic vocal delivery, um, everything about this is like pure, like insane, like punk rock and roll um, filtered through just this um, kind of artsy, offbeat, kind of beatnik quality. Um, some of the tracks on, you know, obviously like Blister, Blister and the Sun's on there. That's like their big hit. Um, Kiss Off, which is like a really nice um, epitaph of like frustration and the rejection of love. Uh, Please Don't Go, which is a really like fun like, kind of love song. And I also feel it's like a prototype for like a lot of that classic 90s um, dynamic kind of slap bass. Like most, you know, early grunge artists, like, you know, there's a lot of languid kind of bass heavy music. And I feel like uh, this is a track that a lot of people use as an influence in that. Um, Added Up is awesome. Uh, it's like just full punk rock. Uh, Prove My Love is probably my favorite song on the album. Um, it's also like, I feel like everybody thinks this band is like purely acoustic, but like there's a lot of the guitar on the album. Um, and then like Good Feeling is like one of the saddest love songs I think I've ever heard. So um, yeah, man. 60-year-old me was all about this, and I still am. Yeah, I, I've only heard um, Blister in the Sun, but uh, Gnarls Barkley covered one of the songs from that album, and I love that song, but I've never heard yeah. the original version. I should or, uh, Go de- uh, Gone, Daddy, Gone. Gone, Daddy, Gone, yeah, that's the one. I just, yeah, I just looked that up, and I was like, is that the same Gnarls Barkley thing? I've not it heard, is, yeah. I've like, don't know anything about this band. So I'm going to check it out. The Gnarls Barkley one is good, and I'm very much over CeeLo Green at this point in my life, so I should go check out the original. I mean, dude, yeah. I'll, I'll make a playlist. I didn't start listening to Violet Femmes until a little bit later in life. I didn't listen to them at high school, but uh, but they have put out... Um, I mean, that album in particular is is excellent. Um, 
good feeling that's the song that you just mentioned um it got it it was used in um, how i met your mother how i met your mother that's what it was and that was that was hey i mean it was all right for its time it was the whole plot of an episode um but right we don't don't have time to go into to how i met your mother and into why how i met your mother is so bad yeah there's just no time i don't have the emotional (laughs) it's sunday morning we don't want to do that to you on a sunday morning (laughs) yeah um not only like they've released a good like 10 or 15 albums um this one's really good uh the second then one they did after this is a little hit or miss um the one after that is really great um they did they put out an album in 2006 um that's all electric um and they have a cover of Hmm. bob dylan's they have a cover of bob dylan's positively fourth street that's great like just phenomenally good um i'm gonna pull that up right now they're a little bit of an underrated band for sure um you know, and, and like I said, it, especially like this album, like it's so angsty. Like it's per- like a lot of the songs are about um, high school. A lot of them are about like uh, getting in trouble, uh, permanent record, uh, principal being mad at you kind of like song. Um, they're very, uh, they're very kind of like revenge driven. Like most of the kind of narrators in the songs are trying to get revenge for being wrong. Um, and I think that like fits really well with, um, uh, an angry 16 so it's uh yeah pretty fitting i mean i definitely like you said 1039 yeah yeah that's that's, that's, i feel like that's that's strange yeah that's interesting it just i don't remember because that was this is like a i'm looking it up because again i don't know them but they're like a that was like an early 80s song correct yeah it came out in 83 I feel like that's that's unique for 1039 the X to play something like that. Maybe I'm misremembering what they did. Yeah, I mean, I feel like every hour, um, you know, they'd take a break from like Breaking Benjamin and Chevelle, <laughs> and they'd play like an older. They play like long. They play like Long View by Green Day, or they play like The Sun, or they play um, the Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters had a cover of uh, Prince's Darling Nikki, and like they would play that sometimes, or like James oh yeah, or I remember Dixon that. Or something. Yeah. Nice. All right. What do you guys say we move on to number ones? All right. Um, anybody who spent any extended amount of time with me in high school could probably guess what my number one is. Um, but it is Drunk Enough to Dance by Bowling for Soup. I still listen to this album front to back like once a month when I'm walking to school or something like that. It is, uh, it's in my opinion, it is like one of the best pop punk albums ever made. Every single song on it is just a fun, uh, is just a fun 
pop punk album. Yeah, I don't have really much else to say. It's just like 15 straight breakup songs that are fantastic with one rejected <laughs> song thrown in there for a, a little mix up. Um, <laughs> and this is another one like I I was going on a road trip with my family and I asked uh, a friend of ours, uh, Tara Dame for a recommendation and she recommended this album so i went to walmart and bought it and i listened to it like 55 times on this road trip and it's another song where when even to this day when one song finishes the beginning of the next song plays in my head i'm ready for it um just super fun happy uh songs even though they're singing about like breakups and stuff and you know women that ruin their lives and stuff like that it's it's a happy band and they've always been a happy band um i went and saw them like maybe five six seven years ago they're still awesome live having a great time um and this is just like one random example of how like weird this time in rock history was like uh, Girl All the Bad Guys Want, which is on this album, is maybe one of their biggest hits. No, 1985 is their biggest hit, I would say. But Girl All the Bad Guys Want was nominated for a Grammy this year, which would surprise people if they like didn't think too hard about it, because I feel like Bowling for Soup's kind of faded a little bit, and their fans are still listening. They're still touring and stuff like that, still putting out albums and stuff, but... um. Yeah, Girl All the Bad Guys Want, nominated for a Grammy. Fucking love Bowling for Soup. I still do. This and this album is is perfect. I will not hear anything otherwise. So uh, let's hear it. If if anyone else... I, this is one where I'm not even sure that like lots of other people listen to. I just want to let you know, Dave, uh, if it makes any better, uh, there's a handful of 22-year-old kids uh, in Huber Heights that listen to Bowling for Soup at work. Hell yes. Uh, what are they listening to? Are they listening to like Girl All the Bad Guys Want in 1985? Yep. yep. Those two songs in particular. All right. Um, the kids are all right, Bloodbath. The kids are all right. <laughs> They're okay. Um, yeah, I just, I, I mean, I like this band enough. Like, I know that you were a fan of it. I know that we covered a lot of their songs. Um, we did. I, I'm, I'm not a huge, I'm not like the biggest fan. Um, I don't think I've ever bought any of their albums. Um, to me, they've, I mean, they're good. They just they have a little bit of that quality of like a lot of their songs sound like parodies or like joke songs, and I just it's just a personal. I don't super get into that. Like, I like Weird Al, but like that's about where it ends. I, I like a bunch <laughs> of like silly songs. I just I'm not totally into. Not that, but like they are good. Like they're they're really, yeah, you know, they are special. They're I'll sure. agree with you. Their their later albums, like maybe two or three albums after this one, they started to have more and more like straight up joke songs on there. This one was like um one hundred percent pop punk singing about girls the entire album. Right. Did you know nineteen eighty five was a cover? It was uh it was written by uh what was that band? Um and it was written by the singer of another band who I can't remember at the time. It's yeah, SR seventy one. I'm looking the, it up. Written I don't, by I don't the SR seventy one guy, one of the guys in that band. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't know that. I, That's, I only know, know that. The, that girl. I only know the two songs you've mentioned. Those are the only Bowling for Soup songs that I, I at least would know the name of. Paul McCartney also had a song called 1985. 
Uh, was Paul McCartney also lamenting like the loss of Motley Crue on TV and stuff like that in his song? <laughs> no, probably not. This was from Band on the Run, so I, I think probably yeah. not. I'd heard that Paul McCartney had lamented Motley Crue only privately. He didn't want to <laughs> put it in his lyrics. That's true. It was too personal. That's diary stuff yeah. for him. So, yeah. yeah, this, this, I remember I said like I couldn't 100% relate to Dookie because I didn't smoke weed. Well, I could 100% relate to like not having a girlfriend, which was what this album was all about. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like right in the pocket for this one. Uh, I've, I've seen Bowling for Soup twice. They put on a great show every single time. Yeah, just love Bowling for Soup. And I guess with that, we'll move on to. We'll move on to Alan's number one. Um, my number one is Enema of the State by Blink-182. Yeah. I took her out. It was a Friday night. I walk alone to get the feeling right. We started making out and she took off my pants. But then I turned on the TV. That's about the time she walked away from me Nobody likes you when you're 23 And I saw more of these my TV shows What the hell is ADD? My friends say I should act my age And so as I was going through uh, what albums I listened to a lot, what bands I listened to a lot in high school, and and uh, what albums I could listen to um, completely, it first off became really clear to me how much Blink-182 I actually listened to in high school, which was a significant amount. And um, and then it just came down to picking which album had come out already and which one I was interested in. And, and Enema of the State is one that also has a, a dedicated sleeve in my in my current CD case. Um, beginning to end, again, this is one that you can listen to uh, without skipping a track. I, I mean, Tom DeLong. God help him. Uh, He's finding aliens, just man. He's worst. doing good. But, yeah, no, good <laughs> for him, man. I mean, he's he's found his calling in life. Um, yeah, it's more, that's more than a lot of us can and say. Stuff. And there isn't. There is a song on the album called "Aliens Exist." I will say that. Yeah, he. he um, it is written by Tom DeLonge. Yeah, he put that shit he out there early. early. Yeah, he he didn't hide it. Mm-hmm. No, we just didn't see it. But anyway, uh, yeah, um, Enema of the State, uh, it has uh, essentially every every time you name a Blink-182 song that you've heard and you've listened to, unless you were, you know, really into Blink-182, um, it's coming from this album. I'll say that. Hard disagree, um, but this album is like, I think it is the best one, but like I have so much love for other Blink-182 albums. Uh, I feel like was Take Off Your Pants, was that? That seemed more of like their mainstream, like when they probably peaked. But I, maybe I'm—I wasn't a huge Blink One Eighty Two fan. They had a three-album run no, where I they mean, were insanely popular, right? Yeah, that was yeah. what's my age again. That was what made them like yeah. incredibly popular. Adam Song, you know, that that was their big one. Take off your pants and jacket was the follow-up to that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and then I think so. The the one after that, I think it was self-titled had like some really big hits on it too yeah i didn't like that one quite as much 
Dude, I love the music video for First Date. Like, <laughs> yeah. I downloaded that on my parents' computer with like a 56K <laughs> modem or whatever it is. It probably took like a week and a half to download, but I watched it all the time. It was so fun. Yeah, Blink-182 had awesome, funny music videos. Like every, every one of them. Uh, yeah, Alan, that's a good pick, man. Like I, Blink was more of a junior high band for me. Um, I do appreciate them. I appreciate them more like today, probably. Um, I like their earlier stuff, like Dude Ranch, Chester Cat, more than I like their more popular. Um, but you know, I mean, I that's another band. I think that gets a little bit more hate. They get a little bit more hate than I think they deserve. But like, I also like they've like they're like kind of resurgence in popularity the last couple of years is a big thing like i know a lot of like 25 year olds who are obsessed with like, every time there's a re- or not really a show but whenever they go on tour or like you know warp tour is over now but um i know a lot of kids who were just all about going to see them like two years ago which kind of hmm. blew me away i had i had no idea they were touring I like the they put out an album like every couple of years and I like it. Oh, I like their new stuff. Yeah. They're they're what Alan they are actually one of the few bands that are touring and selling out like arenas today still like no problem and like not just like you know people our age. Like, well, I don't know if you guys listen to their like, live really album. Well. I mean the Mark Tom and Travis show. Yeah, that's uh, it's a great one. It's spectacular. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to spend some time. Um, you know, they play all their greatest hits and uh, they, you know, really just rip on each other for a straight hour. It's it's a, a, a pretty decent, pretty decent way to spend an hour in the car. I also want to like side tangent. I don't like Angels and Airwaves whatsoever, but in the last year uh, on Spotify, uh, Boxcar Racer showed up. And that album's great, dude. I I I, I thoroughly yeah. Boxcar it. Racer was good, and I liked Plus Forty Four also. But I was always more of a Mark person than a Tom person, which is like it's our generation's version of Are You yeah. a John person or a Paul person? <laughs> How sad is that? It's not sad at all. That's the <laughs> answer. It's perfectly fine. Uh, plus, it's not even a question, right? It's it's Paul. Right, everybody is a Paul person, I think, deep down. Uh, I th- think you. I mean, I agree. I'm a Paul person, also. I'm I'm a Paul person. Bloodbath's a John person, isn't he? Jord. I'm more oh, of Jord. <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, like in all honesty, that's not a bad uh, answer, though. I've started to really, in- I've started to really enjoy Ringo Starr solo album. No, you <laughs> haven't. I think no, that... not even Ringo's no, dude, mom what, listens to his solo albums. <laughs> no, dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he um, he has a so- he has a song about uh, doing cocaine that was really really good. I heard it. Uh, it's There um, uh, there's a woman who works for me. Well, she used to. Um, and she's a little bit older. You know, maybe in her mid fifties, and she had a playlist of like some like deep deep Ringo star cuts and I was like this is this is pretty enjoyable I'm not saying that Ringo I mean, stuff obviously... is like the worst thing you're ever going to listen to in your life I'm just saying that it was bad enough that even Ringo Starr's own mother wasn't going to listen to it <laughs> <laughs> all right well next time on a top three podcast tune in for a top three Ringo star deep cuts <laughs> <laughs>
Let's get uh, let's get Craig. You're number one. <laughs> to answer that question, though, I will say like I'm probably more Paul than John, but uh, I think here. everybody is. People say they're John because they want to sound interesting. That's exactly right, yeah. Craig. <laughs> anyway, so my number one album is probably like I mean it's very top top of most lists, like my all time list. I would I would have to put it, which is the Strokes. Is this it? It's like the first, it, I would say I've, I've said this about a, a number of albums, I think we all have, but like it's the first album where I listened to it all the way through the first time I listened to it. Like I didn't stop. I didn't skip ahead to like last night or someday. I like put it on because I was like, I've heard this. It had been out for a while. I didn't buy it like right when it got out and um, put it on. And I was like, oh my God, every single song on this album is awesome. Um the Strokes, I think, like, I wish the Strokes were still as awesome as they were. I still like them just as much as I did. Um, but I'm not going to lie to myself and say that, like, follow-up albums to this ever, like, ever were better. Um, I thought I think their second album, Room on Fire, was really, really good. I think, like, they've kind of progressively gotten a little bit worse every time, sadly. But I saw them in concert in college. They were awesome. Like, they, I think they... I I didn't make this point like looking at reviews of the album kind of in preparation for this like a lot of people point to them as like a, a shift in some like alternative indie rock sound um, one re- like one uh, quote that I found that I thought was really funny or really like applied to me at least was it says almost overnight rock and roll turned grittier haircuts grew shaggier and the secondhand blazer section at your local thrift store got a lot more crowded and i was like i was like yeah the blazer thing that's uh pretty right on um i i i just think i I love this album you guys remember when i wore a blazer all the time (laughs) my wife just confirmed she remembers me with a blazer dude um the strokes are one of my all-time favorite bands i was gonna put that album on there i just like quick story like I, I knew this I knew that album had come out. I've seen the TV and like I just didn't even think anything of it because that was like 2001. And yeah, September 11th, 2001. Yeah, well, there. So um, they uh, they were the musical guest on Mad TV, and they played. Um, they they might play like last night or something like that. But the second song they played was New York City Cops because that yeah. didn't come up. They didn't wind up on the album because of September 11th. And I remember like watching them play that. And I was like, dude, these guys are awesome. What the hell am I missing? And I went out and, and I think like probably second album I got on and it was great. Um, I just, I freaking love that album so much. And uh, just also Craig real quick, like I know you said, you know, your thoughts on like the follow-up albums. So what'd you think of the one they did last year? So I liked it. I mean, I, there's, there's, to me, it's, they have, when I listen to their follow-up albums, they're 
they always have good songs. It's just not every song is good. So there's always like yeah. more recently, there's like filler songs that, that I just don't know the point of it being on the album. And I don't know that any, like yeah. there's no, there's no way they were all like, yeah, this is a, this is gold. Let's put it on here. Or it like serves a, serves a purpose on the album. That's, that's kind of the, the issue I take with it. But they're every, every album they've had has a hit song on it. It's not always been a hit, but there's like very good songs. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, last thing I'll say about it. Um, I think I introduced Alan to the Strokes too because it was, uh, it was college. We were in his truck driving. Uh, I'm not going to say what else. We Eating spaghetti. But, uh, I specifically downloading played, songs uh, illegally. Yeah. Eating spaghetti. <laughs> I specifically played this album for him, and he had never heard uh, the title track. Is this it? And I was like, dude, you got to at least hear the song. I remember we sat in silence and he was like, okay, dude, this is just awesome. I remember like, I remember you really enjoyed it, dude. I, you know, that's funny. Because I, uh, I was just, I pulled up these track listings on this album and I, I don't think that I've listened to the strokes in years. Uh, so am I, am I missing out then? I mean, my, my brain barely functions. So I, I, I apologize for not remembering listening to this album initially but too much bird law in your head i do i have all that well you're missing out you're missing out if you don't listen to this album still and it's their their most recent album is most it's surely worth a listen like it's it's good okay it's got some good songs at least oh i'll add, I'll add it on to the list there the, the first the first three albums are probably like their best um you know the first two probably like are equal almost equal the third one's a little bit of a dip but i still think it's really good um then they were like on a hiatus for almost years, and then they started coming back and it's a little like hit or miss. huh yeah they like in terms of their comeback i i do think that if anything this most recent one is on like a, an upswing to me like it's better yeah. than the stuff before it for the first time in a while i for me like I recognize I I can hear what it is with this album that everyone loves so much, but I don't like the whole album the way that lots of people do. For me, the strokes are a band where first three albums and you cut four songs off of each one and make a greatest hits. I'm all about that, but I'm not, I'm not any more into the strokes than that, but those like that greatest hits album would be incredible. I think that's a really fair point. One thing, one thing I do like about the Strokes is that, like, I like ten million bands have come after and tried to sound like the Strokes, and no one sounds like the Strokes. Right. Well, and I think what's like a little bit more unique about the Strokes is that they're they're kind of quintessential New York. I know that sounds like really cheesy to say. It sounds like you know a real journalist kind of like perspective, but. They they're definitely taking like the Stooges, like television, like Lou Reed, and you know a lot of those New York bands, the '70s, like they're kind of repackaging and fusing their sounds together, um, and that's really kind of where they um, and you know there's a lot of bands that try to copy the Strokes, but like I do think the Strokes are like one of the few bands like you hear every couple of years you'll hear. And it's like their sound is like pretty unique. Like there's not anyone 
at that point that sounds like it. I mean, obviously, like people can copy it, but one of those bands I can always point to be like, that's they have a it's like special. Yeah, I I definitely don't think it's like weird to put emphasis on like them being from New York. I think I put stock into that kind of thing too. Yeah. Um. All right, Bloodbath. Let's get your number one. All right. My number one is Nimrod by Green Day. Hell yeah. came out in I think it was 97 and it was right before their like hiatus and they wouldn't make another album until 2002 is warning um you know like we said earlier like obviously we grew up in an era where like the biggest band of all time um one of the most commercial bands of all time obviously we've already talked about a lot of the bands. um and like as I've grown older um I've definitely through college and afterwards um I've discovered a lot of you know, more authentic quote unquote band Black Flag, Husker Du, The Replacement, uh, The Clash, you know, all these other bands that people can point to and with a little bit more credibility. Um, but like the reality is like this band was like really important to me, uh, at a time as it was like I think all of us. Uh, when it comes down to it, like this is like the best written uh Green Day album. Uh they have the best lyrics uh, out of anything that like I, I, there's nothing as close. Um, these songs still, like the biggest like reason for me picking this is like not only did I listen to it a lot of high school, like I still listen to this album uh, every week, at least a couple of tracks. They resonate with me now more than like ever before. Um, you know, just like a couple, like uh, the grouch, like that's you know the grouch is me. Um, you know, it's a song about growing old, <laughs> like being an old man, and like. I relate to that at 34 uh, more than like ever. Um, the song Uptight, uh, it's got the lyrics, um, perfect picture of bad health. And I think that's me 100%. Full, you know, having some self-loathing self and uh, frustration over your own bad decisions. Uh, the song Walking Alone is my favorite on the album. Uh, just kind of being your own within a meaning. Having expectations on how to behave and not being able to process the ability to make positive changes all the time and then also too you know you have like some hidden gems in there like hitching a ride and King for a day which like really showcased like a totally different type of sound for the band um you know versus their kind of standard three chord on cross the usual thing um and then like on top of that like you know i think it's like a perfectly produced album too uh it's not his dirty as some of their other it's not as like dirty or lo fi as some of their earlier. And I think that's really where the charm comes from because you know, if the album were to be a little noisier or dirtier or rawer, some of the nuances I think would get lost. 
like one of the reasons I really like this album is, you know, all three members, all three members of the band, they have a lot of presence in the album. Like they all play off each other really nicely. And I think it gives a lot of depth and character to the album. So like when I listen to it today, all those people, you know, you know, the three, three members of that band, their inner with each other, I think really comes across as another element of the album. Um, and then beyond that, man, I think I think Billy Joe Armstrong gets a lot of flack for his guitar playing, and I think it's on this album. I think a lot of, you know, it is very rudimentary, but I think his flair on the guitar, what little bit there is, his like technique, I think really does shine through, and I think it makes a little bit more of a standout versus their others. So I love Dimrod. Um Worry Rock, I think, is probably my favorite song on that album. Um, that's a that's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah, like I put Dookie on my list, but I listen to Nimrod just as much as I listen to Dookie. It's uh, I love it front to back just as much as I love Dookie. Um, I think Dookie just got me first. That might just that might be the thing that puts it over the edge. Um, and I like, like Bloodbath said, I like there's a there's a lot more variety in like the type of sounds going on on Nimrod compared to Dookie. So it's really good stuff. Well, and like to me, you know, Dookie is just a great album. Like that one's, you know, amazing front to back. Um, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, warning the album they came out with after this, I think to me is really special. Like I like that one a lot. Um, and then the one before this, Insomniac, I think is like one of their most underrated albums. Like people don't talk about it very much. So like, I think this kind of era, like there's a lot of, you know, special albums that they did, but you know, like I said, none of them like quite gel the way this one does. And again, it, you know, it, it, it does kind of come down to a lot of like presentation. And I think that's where they stand. That's where this one stands a little bit more. Like I said, with the production and the kind of nuance between the band I think it's special in that way. I think it I think it's a little bit more objectively better. And you know, I know we said something earlier about American Idiot and that one is also very special in that way, but like it even with like as unique as that is and the change in their sound became, you know, it's still there's just still something about this album, like I said, twenty, you know, twenty or thirty years after the fact. Like it just it holds the test of time. I think I think this will be remembered better than American Idiot and another Maybe among people who like like dissect it, but I I don't I don't see any way that like pop popular culture remembers this at all really um, outside of green day fans i mean dookie and american idiot were like insanely popular albums and i don't think this one even reached like a fraction of that or like at least uh, at least like well, the staying power time your, it's got time of your life on there yeah but yeah yeah i was gonna say they've got time of your life which seinfeld will will concrete in everyone's memory forever right if you if you ask like 
the average person who like listens to music or listens to rock music like hey name name a couple of green day songs or a couple of green day albums um i would be shocked to hear people say nimrod above dookie and american idiot and i don't see that changing over time so nimrod nimrod went double platinum um peaked at number four in canada shout out to canada and uh, peaked at number three <laughs> in Australia. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to say it wasn't popular. It's just like, I mean, I'm not like I'm not saying anything negative about it. Really, it's just that Dookie and American Idiot are like so untouchable in like rock history at this yeah. point. Yeah, it. It reached number 10 in the U.S., it looks like. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I guess all I was saying is that it did have some popular success. You know, it wasn't just like a, a niche thing for for Green Day fans. You know, I mean, if it if it if it gets to number 10, then, you know, that's yeah, maybe like I, I didn't word I didn't maybe I didn't word what I was saying very well. But. Yeah, it was the next one. Nimrod was after Dookie, though, right? Right. I think, yeah, I think it probably got some of the, some of that success. I'm not saying it's bad and I don't, I'm not one who can really talk about Green Day, but I would, I remember when it came out, people, you know, buying it as a result of the, as a result of Dookie too. Dookie was in 94, Insomniac in 95, Nimrod in 97. Okay, right. There was one more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nimrod's great. Love it. Big fan. Um, Let's uh, let's get into honorable mentions and we'll kind of go quicker with the honorable mentions. Um, my honorable mention is Anthem by Less Than Jake. Uh, I listened to this album like so many times, so many times. Uh, for those who only know Less Than Jake on like a passing level, this is their most popular album, I think. It's got The Science of Selling Yourself Short and She's Gonna Break Soon, which are probably still their two most popular songs. Uh, but... This went, this is like a transition album for Less Than Jake um, into like full pop rock with a few ska type songs on it, as opposed to their earlier music, which was like mostly ska type songs with a few punk rock songs. Um, and I listened to this like all the time. And uh, <laughs> we mentioned that Warp Tour we went to earlier. Um, I passed out from the heat twice in the same less than Jake set at that warp tour. Um, <laughs> they, there's such a, uh, such an exciting band, um, like just insane energy all the time. Um, yeah. So that's my honorable mention is, uh, Anthem by less than Jake. Solid. We also passed out at, at was it like August Burns Red or something? I don't remember who it was, but like the loudest band of all time. Yeah, that was after the Less Than Jake set. <laughs> oh, Anthem was a Anthem was a great album. Yeah, at, I think at that Warp Tour we were we we went there and we were either like underprepared for how much water would cost, or we were just like too proud to buy water. But it was like 105 degrees outside. <laughs> oh yeah, too proud, too poor, too like ignorant, dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that pretty much sums me up. If anyone <laughs> knows me, I think it's a pretty good description. 
um, yeah. Uh, Alan, what's your honorable mention? Well, I mean, I guess shout out real quick to Anthem by Less Than Jake because I listened to that album a lot as well. Um, I My honorable mention was American Idiot. I think that that was probably the Green Day album that I listened to the most in high school. Um, again, considering... Yeah, it's the one that right, came out. You know, and again, considering not have not including greatest hits albums, otherwise it would probably have been international super hits because I, I, you know, Green Day got edged out of my top three, and I felt bad about it because I I listened to Green Day a significant amount. Um, so American Idiot came out when we were in high school. Uh, you know, as Craig said earlier, there are some some songs on there that really make you cringe a little bit, but. Uh, I think all in all, the the way that American Idiot changed uh, changed Green Day. I mean, it was a it, obviously they're a different band now than they were at the beginning, and I don't I don't want to say that they're better or worse now than they were in the 1990s. Uh, but I think they're definitely just a different band. Um, well, their their new music of like of like the actual the last ten years or so is not it's not rock opera stuff anymore they actually they had a side project the foxborough hot tubs and their new music is more foxborough hot tubs songs than it is any like old green See, day songs. i didn't i didn't even um, know that green day was still putting out music now i thought did they put out a single like last week we're recording this like uh the first week of march they put out a single like very recently oh yeah well i mean like what was the one before that was good what was it called like the i this was like last year, maybe sometime the single that came out. I liked it a lot. Uh, the last, the one that comes to head is revolution radio, but that could have been five years ago with the way that my memory works. Yeah. I don't, ah, man. Uh, revolution radio was like two or three years ago. And then there's another album. Right. That yeah. Came out there's last another year. one. Um, and like green day, green day actually has a whole bunch of side projects. Um, Billy Joe in particular has a, he's got a band with his wife and kids. Um, he's got solo. They stuff. have the, uh, they had the network. He's got, uh, in the nineties. Yeah. Well, in the nineties they had, uh, Billy Joe had another band with, uh, the guy from filter, uh, called Pinhead gunpowder. Um, and they're pretty good. He sings, plays guitar. Yeah. That, so, um, yeah. And like, I mean, the like cringe factor on that, I think is, it's it's definitely there, but I I it also too is like a little over, like it's not. I'll, I'll say not in in those songs' defense, as someone who likes those songs, like the American Idiot is a continuous story, and there's going to be like big peaks, and there's going to be valleys, and different changes in mood. And if you take one out of context, which they did, making it a single, like I'm not totally defending them, um, but it is taken a little bit out of context. Uh, from the whole like album mm-hmm. itself but we've we've already litigated green day this is like our fourth time <laughs> going through the green day thing um but i love american idiot it's a it's it's a fantastic album i still listen to it straight through it's one of those like uh like like you guys said i don't listen i don't often listen to just one song from american idiot i listen to the whole thing um, Agreed. All right, Craig, what's your honorable mention? My honorable mention is In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. 
it uh it is an album that i listen to like pretty like a lot it was uh and i'm and i'll i'll cop to like stealing it it was one of the the only one on this list that i like downloaded illegally i'm sorry neutral milk hotel <laughs> they could have used that money too craig I know it was. I was a kid. I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, it's an album that, like, it, it it was one of the my first introductions into like. So, like, growing up it, to me, they're they're not the same sound, but like the idea that growing up, I listened to like pavement constantly, and the like the like intentional like low quality aspect of the sound, I probably hadn't really reflected on until I heard neutral milk hotel um just like it's just different it's different than anything else i was listening to at the time and it then like allowed me to branch off into a lot of of different bands that i still listen to now which includes them um so i i couldn't there was i was a long uh it was a big debate for me internally like who would be my um honorable mention but i had to go with them it was a great album um I mean, I love that album. Uh, I have, I have it on vinyl, which is sort of a waste because that album is so lo-fi and like blown out. Yeah, <laughs> like the 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 higher quality of vinyl makes no difference. I don't know, man. We we're, we need to save that one for our indie rock podcast. I'd have too many things to say about it. It's good. I will. Uh, I'll admit. Um. I was so put off by the band's name that I refused to listen yeah. to them for the longest time. It is it is the most hipster bullshit of a band name you could possibly think of. Like if you <laughs> uh, I don't know, if you told an, a computer to make up like just uh, I I'm, I'm so mad right now I can't even think of a joke. Um but I have listened to it since then. It's pretty good. Put three yeah. random words together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Computer adjective noun noun go. Uh, all right, bloodbath. What's your honorable mention? My honorable. I mean, at this point, I feel like saying "fuck it" and just saying jokes. But uh, my my honorable mention is uh, a combination of Californication and uh, "by the way" by the Red Hot. Um, and again, just purely on like those were pretty much nonstop in my car uh, throughout all of high school. You know, I know we kind of talked about them earlier, but I mean, I I think by the way is um, a little bit of a hidden gem in their discography. Um, I know that there's a few divisive songs on there, and like there's a little bit of a change in style and direction that I think kind of rubs people the wrong way. But I I also sort of feel like there's just some great tunes on there. Can't stop is like can't stop is one of my favorite yeah. sleepover songs. The one at the end of that album, uh, Cab- Cabron, um, they're kind of acoustic, uh, sort of a calypso song. I think it's pretty good. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll like I said, I'll kind of combine those two, make that my honorable mention. Cabron is one of my favorite Chili Peppers songs. <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. This man. is the same as the like. Green Day, Dookie, Nimrod thing, where I picked Californication from my list, but I listened to By the Way just as often. And it was right. kind of like finished. I listened to Californication yesterday. I'll listen to By the Way today type of thing. Yeah. I mean, that might be my afternoon. 
today. Yeah, I can think know. of worse ways to spend an afternoon. For sure. Also, I kind of feel like, um, again, going back to like Stadium Arcadium, because that one came out when we were in school. Um, <laughs> like, I even feel like with that one, it's sort of like there's so much there's so many ambitious things that happen on that album. I feel like, you know, the two that I mentioned, all the, I think gels really well with like having like well-written songs and like something to actually like put on there. Uh, like stadium Arcadium is a double album. And I think that that was a little bit of a mistake to both these albums actually, I think are like relatively short. So I think it makes just for a better overall product. Stadium Arcadium is a long double album too. It's not like both. It's not like both. Uh, both sides have twelve songs. It's like twenty on each one. Yeah, like forty songs. They could have made it a three, three yeah. parter. I I I like Stadium Arcadium too. I mean, like I think I've established yeah. that I'm a pretty big Chili Peppers fan. Um, and like you said, Stadium Arcadium's got a lot of cool shit going on. Like because they had forty songs to try new ideas. That's yeah. snows on that, right? That song is great. That's, I oh, watched the video great. how to play that on guitar. It's uh, it's beyond. It's like beyond difficult. Yeah, uh, how do you think I felt trying to learn how to play any of Flea's bass lines? Yeah, but like I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to play bass, so I feel you. I just know on like that song, like you had to like crisscross your fingers three or four times like the pattern on the neck is like there's a significant it's, amount it's, of movement it's like chris it's like making an excellent guitar on. yeah that doesn't sound like how my fingers work <laughs> yeah it's uh-huh. actually a lot easier if you I mean, play it with that's like most easier like he says that's like most of Frusciante style so like i get that for sure that's exactly it yeah all right well um let's call that another successful top three um we're almost at we're coming up to like two hours on music music from high school um shocker to nobody who's been paying attention to the uh the run times on these podcasts as we've gone on but we had a good time talking about these uh so thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next time bye tube network bye If you'd like to support the show, please tell your friends about it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave a review if you want to, and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at a top three podcast. That's the number three, again, at a top three podcast. You can leave your own top three in the comments when we post our episodes and we'll talk about it. We are also going to put out a call for listener top threes before recording new shows. So keep your eyes on those Twitter and Instagram pages and we might read yours on the show. Thanks. She came from Greece. She had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's where I caught her eye. She told me that her dad was loaded. I said, in that case, I'll have a rum and Coca-Cola. She said, fine. And in 30 seconds time, she said, I want to live like common people. I want to do whatever common people do. I want to sleep with common people. I want to sleep with common people like you. Well, what else could I do? I said, I'll see what I can do. (laughs) 